Welcome to Relationship, where real-life couple Justin and Candace share their keeping it real perspective on the ins and outs of their personal and professional experiences, navigating the ups and downs of partnerships in life and business. They will also offer practical advice for maintaining strong, healthy, fun, and successful relationships in life and business. If you're ready for comedic and insightful exploration of life, love, law, business, and everything else in between, you're in the right place. Buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. Here are your hosts, Justin and Candace. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Relationship. In today's episode, we have the privilege of hosting a dynamic duo whose love for aviation and unwavering commitment to education have made them true icons in the industry. Join us as we delve into the remarkable journey of John and Martha King, the co-chairman and woman of co-owners of King Schools, Inc., and partners in life for nearly 58 years. Got a few years on us. Their innovative use of technology, coupled with their passion for teaching, has not only revolutionized flight training, but has also made aviation knowledge more accessible to countless pilots and maintenance technicians worldwide. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks. You can say things about us that we can't say. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, your background looks fascinating, uh, like ours, working together and uh, as married partners. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of mutual uh, concerns and joys, I think. That's why, you know, we really started uh, the Relationship Podcast is that I, I think that, you know, everything that I hear and read out there really talks about life, business, partnerships, whatever subject you're talking about in such a general way. And I'm just, I have such a, a thirst for knowing the nitty gritty, for always wanting to know the backstory and the things that I think that everybody else out there wants to know, but some people may not want to get as personal or as detailed. But, you know, I've always been like that. Everybody calls me an old soul. So that's why we started this, because I want to always know the inner workings of anything and everything. And since we're partners in life and in business, that's how this relationship was born. I've read your, you know, your bios. And I have to tell you, you guys have quite a lot of accomplishments behind you. We probably won't even get to touch the surface on all the remarkable accomplishments that both of you have behind you. But I, I want to get as much, you know, to try to get as much of the stuff that I find fascinating and I, you know, out there. And so I always want to start by asking, you know, you guys have, you just said you've been together for 58 years, which I think is quite extraordinary. And so originally I was going to start with the question I always ask, which is, you know, how did you guys how did you guys start this business together? But since you guys have such a, a rich history together, both, you know, personally and in business, let's go back in time and, and tell the audience how you guys met. Well, I, an interesting I, I, story. I first dated uh, Martha's sister and I was rejected with the words, you'd really like my sister. And so she introduced uh, me to her sister and she's right. I really did like her sister. And uh, as our relationship grew, we decided we were going to be equal partners in everything we would do. And we, we met in college. Uh, I was a freshman when we met. 
And uh, we spent a lot of time walking around the campus talking about the future. And and I've been struggling to be an equal partner now for 58 years. And Martha is only a little bit smarter than I am, a little bit better pilot than I am, a little bit better teacher than I am. And I think that's the key to uh, getting along with each other is this mutual respect. But let me ask you a question. I'm going to stop you right there, John, for one second. How long did it take for you to recognize all the things that you just said? Oh, uh, um, was it immediate? About maybe I don't know who that is. That's your phone. Let me turn it on. Maybe two dates. We went to an event uh, at the the university uh, stadium, and uh, we had lousy seats. And what uh, university? Uh, Indiana University. Okay. And and I can't remember what the event was, but we had lousy seats. And Martha says, uh, and we, we we were there with my mother and Martha and me. And Martha said to me, I'll be right back. And about five minutes later, she came back. She says, come with me. I have better seats for us. And she had not complained. She had only offered a solution and got better seats. Now, that, this is someone I want, I want to spend time with. Uh, she's She uh, solves problems and, and makes things better, and it's been that way for 58 years now. Now, John, if you can give me your cell phone number, I would love to have access to you so that my husband and partner <laughs> can hear um, and, and possibly have some life coaching skills yeah, from you. I'm 17 years in, and I'm, I'm still not fully getting that. So I'm learning. I'm a, slow, a very slow learner. Very slow learner. All you have to do is take a look at our book, Lift, uh, which is not only about our business, but about our relationship and how it developed and how we think uh, we've managed to keep uh, both a business partnership and a marriage partnership and a flying partnership because we're both co-captains on the Falcon 10 we fly and we're both flight instructors and that's a challenging relationship also but how we've managed to keep those I would say youthful and productive and uh, uh, to boil it down to the nitty-gritty uh, the two takeaways are respect and communication <laughs> you you pretty much answered seven of my questions that I was <laughs> going to <laughs> well she was a valedictorian in her high school is a problem she got she even knew what problems or questions I was going to ask before I even asked him so I love it I I totally see that you are a problem solver as am I because and 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 I want to just say this because um I love that we just we just kind of uncovered a lot in a very short time but it's it's funny that you just said the the really important buzzword because Justin and I were talking about this the other day and it's it's one of it's going to be discussed in one of our relationship posts. You know, it's a blog that we have where a lot of people I feel like shy away from conflict. But Justin and I look at conflict as just another opportunity to solve a problem. Um, but everybody shies away from it because there's such a negative connotation to the concept of conflict. Um, and so I really love the fact that you just you know said what you did. Um, But I do want to ask this question. When you guys got together 58 years ago, did you both realize, uh, did you both independently have an interest and love for aviation? Or did that, was that born out of the two of you being in a relationship together? And then that you both realized together that that was a passion of yours. 
Well, the aviation came later. We went bankrupt in our first business. What was the first business? The first business was a lubrication service for uh, truck fleets. And uh, we didn't particularly uh, have any passion for it at all. And uh, if you don't have a passion for something, uh, you don't persist through difficulty and hard times. And and you don't put the effort in to make it work over a long period of time. And that's where we were. And we were trying for what we call, we were swinging for the fences. We wanted to be really wealthy. We wanted to be really big time operators. And we said, well, that hurt. Let's not do that anymore after we went bankrupt. By the way, we didn't blame each other. We just simply uh, readjusted our lives and went on from there. And we said, well, this time let's do something for the fun of it. And at that time we had started flying for the fun of it. And we said, well, let's teach ground schools for pilots. That's something we can do. And we had a passion for that. And so we said, let's do something that we have a passion for. And uh, we, we were willing to persist in that business and work hard at it and, and endure through difficulties and so on. So it's the, the, the having a passion, I think, was a big key for us. And, and we enjoy uh, this business together. And, and we enjoy each other because. Well, since you have the benefit of your past, which was, you know, a, a failed business that you guys initially started with what you have now, which has exploded. And, and, you know, you guys are extremely notable in the aviation community, really in the world. Um, and you are highly decorated and recognized in that industry. What, in addition to the lack of passion that you said that you didn't have for that first lubrication business, what other things would you attribute to the failure, but that you see is the secret sauce to the success that you guys have now? Well, one of the big things that we decided, looking back on it, was that we had defective goal setting. We had set a goal of having 50 franchises Uh, We were franchising this oil and lubrication business, and our goal was 50 franchises all over the country because we felt like that would make us big time and that would be, you know, really fabulous. But we forgot one very important word, and that was profitable. So we were focused on being big, but we were not focused on being profitable. And after the bankruptcy, as we looked back on it and and thought about starting the the ground school teaching for pilots, which is what we started with live classes that grew into uh, the full King schools, uh, we looked back on it and said, you know, failure is wasted if you don't take responsibility for it. So we we sat and analyzed, and we had had defective goal setting. We had not. Because we were young and naive when we started the business, we had not structured the business properly, our fault, uh, not the franchisees. And we were in a business, the oil and lubrication business, that although there was a niche there, uh, it was basically a commodity business. And it wasn't something that you could uh, command premium prices for. And our goal when we got into the ground school business was to deliver a a training course, I'd guess you say, but teaching in such a personal and um, competent way that nobody could imitate us. 
the uh, you know one of the things that went from the bankruptcy we didn't have recriminations we we made an effort to learn from it and we didn't blame each other we we uh, and and we didn't uh, make excuses we just felt right had to understand what we did wrong and and uh, learn from that. And I think that's one of the things that we did together. And I think that's really interesting that you said that. You have so many people these days talking about goals and you need to write your goals down. And whether they're realistic or not realistic, just write your goals. But you talked about you had defective goals. And I think it's important for people to know when you have goals, and it's always been my opinion, the goals have to, one, be somewhat realistic, and I, I guess I've learned from you now that the goals just can't be goals that you just think about. They actually have to be real practical goals that actually work. They well, can't just be. And yeah, one of our sayings is be careful what you wish for. You right. might get it. You have to wish for the right things. And when we set our goals in this business, King Schools, we set goals of income and lifestyle. And at the time we set them, we didn't know how we were going to accomplish them, but we did set them uh, with a firm eye to profitability that because not being profitable in the previous business put us in bankruptcy. And uh, as John says, that hurt and we didn't want to do that again. Right. We had a goal setting session in the new business. And I remember telling, we were sitting down and writing things out and so on. And I remember telling Martha that, that, that I had this dream of a financial goal and Martha started crying. And I said, what are you crying about? And I said, she says, well, I'm not sure I can guarantee you that. And we're now making about a hundred times what that goal was uh, that she was crying that she she Martha felt it was her responsibility to guarantee me that uh, result. And uh, that's, I think, a part of the deal is we're both working hard to do the best for each other that we can. I, I love that. But I want to, you know, as I as I already laid the, the preface for it earlier on. You know, I always want to know even more, you know, on a more granular level. So you had just described, you know, having learned some mistakes that you learned with your first business and you, you know, you started the new business with a goal setting session. But, you know, for all the folks out there that read all these books, you know, books written by Napoleon Hill and all the other greats out there. And I've read them, too. And I have to tell you, as a lawyer that, I, that has, you know, who has to read for a living, I freaking hate reading. But I, I went through the motions and I read all these books and that, you know, and it was part of the reason, again, why we started this is I said, I don't get what they're saying. Talk to me like I'm a six-year-old. Tell me step one, you know, this this is what it involves. This is don't give me these generalities of being positive and you know and 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 write down your goals and make them like it's I, I think a lot of it, excuse my language, not that it's horseshit, but it doesn't really <laughs> it doesn't really tell me as the person who's starting a business, real practical things that 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 needs to be done. So I want you to really break it down in a more granular level. So you sit down, you start a business and you say, shit, we just had a failed business. We're now going for passion. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen. We're sitting down in a goal setting session. 
we need to be realistic on our goals because we we had the wrong goals before. What else? Give me the mechanics. Now that you've built this extremely successful business in the beginning, what else are you doing? Like what what? Tell me from the day to day, moment to moment of and and try to juxtapose it to your failed business. Like, tell me what's going on through your head and your actions on a well, day to day basis. After our failed business, they because of our passion in flying, we went to work for another company called Ross Ground Schools that was doing what we ended up doing on our own. And uh, we worked for them for about four months before they went bankrupt. And they went bankrupt for the same reason we had, defective goal setting. They wanted to have... 10 teams of instructors out teaching the two-day weekend ground school classes around the country. That's real easy to do. You just hire a lot of people. Finding profitable locations to teach those classes is a different ballgame. So when they went broke, we looked at each other and said, well, uh, we have four months' experience. We know where their good cities were and their bad cities were not. We think we can draw Uh, some characteristics out of that. And we used that information to sit down and draw up a plan about where we would teach the ground schools, which was mostly rural areas with quite a bit of distance, but money in terms of uh, big ranchers, big farmers, uh, people like that, who needed to get around the state and the country and found uh, personal aviation to be a, a really big help on doing that. And along the same lines, one of the things that we figured out is you have to be able to sell something to somebody. You have to do something for people that they will be willing to pay for. So yeah. there's three groups of people to serve as an entrepreneur. One is your customers. You have to figure out something that that, that they will be willing to pay for that you can do for them. And we, we were good teachers and people were willing to pay for it. And uh, that worked out well for us. Second thing is, if you have people working for you, they're devoting their lives to your efforts. So you have to take care of their needs. And then right. the third is you have to take care of the needs of your, your vendors. But believe it or not, it's important that you take care of the needs of your vendors because they'll stick with you through hard times if you're taking care of them. Um, and we have an example now. Paper is very hard to get, and we have a catalog. And, uh, and our vendor came to us and said, you have really been good with us, and we're going to make sure that you get the paper before other people do. So uh, we're going to stay with you, and you'll be in business and stay in business because of it. And who, it's counterintuitive. You take care of your vendor's needs, but you take care of all three of those groups. You take care of your customers and do something that they're willing to pay you for. Uh, you take care of your uh, employees because they're devoting their lives to you and your right. vendors. Oh, I love that. I, I the, the vendor part is something that I, I never thought of. that I never thought of and I never heard anybody else talk about. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So the secret of entrepreneurship is you seek out and take care of other people's needs. And if you do things for other people, they'll stick with you and they'll pay you. And uh, so you have to figure out what you can do for people. I, Martha doesn't like me to say this, but when I see homeless people, I see, oh, well, that's too bad. They don't have something that people will pay them for. And so if, if you've got something that people will pay you for, you don't have to worry about being homeless. 
The other thing is that a lot of people start out into a business and the first thing they focus on is getting a location or getting equipment, trucks, whatever. That's what we did when we did our first oil and gas, uh, oil and lubrication business. But one of the things that we decided looking back at our failed business was what is the proper definition of a business? And to us, it's not a building, it's not trucks, it's not even necessarily the employees. It's the identification of a customer want or need that you can fulfill profitably. And so that's really the very first place for someone to start when they're looking to start a business. Do Have you identified a customer want or need that you can fulfill and don't forget the word profitably because otherwise you don't have a business. Right. And I also, I'm going to add to that because we are in a service industry of, of delivering the value or, or, you know, something that somebody wants with intention, with care, with intention, not just checking the boxes and going through the motions because You could be a great salesperson and you could get all the clients in the world, but if you can't sustain that because there's no real intention or passion or care, and it's just the profitability, then I don't know that, would you agree that that might not be sustaining in and of itself? Yeah, Yeah. the key is seeking out and taking care of other people's needs. Right. And and, and if you are good at that, uh, you've got something that will sustain. And this is where, as you mentioned, the whole idea of the passion comes in, because if you're passionate about an area, you're going to know a lot about it. You're going to experience it in the same way your prospective customer is, and you'll see the areas where there's a need, where there's something that a service or a product that you could provide that other people really need, and you can see that because you're your elbow deep in it, if you will, uh, and and just immersed in it, even if at all times of the day and night and weekends and so on, because it's your passion. Yeah. And that also creates pride. If you're passionate about something, you're prideful about it. And if you're yeah. prideful about it, then you're going to give it everything you got because it's it's like a baby. It's like your little baby. And you need to be passionate about it when you're starting your own business because it's not easy. I mean, you yeah, no. don't know that. And it's there, there are really great times and there's some really hard times. And if you're not passionate about it, you're going to have a, a strong desire to give up when the hard times come as they will come. And the passion... Helps sustain you through the tough times, but it also helps you follow the trends in the marketplace. We started out doing live classes. We went eventually to VHS tape. Some people still remember what VHS tape was. I do. do. (laughs) Be kind. Please rewind. Right. Please rewind. Remember the blockbuster? Absolutely. And from there, though, as technology changed, we went to disc courses and then to uh, online-based courses and then pulling them offline onto tablets, uh, iPads, and so on. And because of the passion, we stayed on top of the technology and tried actually to stay ahead of it. 
But if you're not passionate, we had a friend who owned a company that built radios and and other electronic equipment for airplanes, but he felt kind of distantly about it. He didn't uh, put his own equipment in his own airplane. He missed a lot of the coming trends like GPS, uh, which is in aviation every bit as much as it is in your car and in your phone. He missed stuff like that because he wasn't passionate enough about what his company was doing to stay really immersed in it. And he wasn't rolling up his sleeves and getting in it. Right, right. Well, I want to ask you, I want to ask you this, though. I'm, I'm assuming that there are other type of aviation courses and schools out there. What... And I'm I'm going to also assume this, whether I, I'm assuming correctly or not, that you guys know what the competition or what's out there, as you were able to point out, you know, with a friend of yours that just didn't stay on top of certain things. And therefore, something as simple as, you know, the technology of GPS was, you know, he missed it. What would you say, other than we talked about the fact that you are fully immersed and passionate about it, but what would you characterize as, you know, let's say your top two or three characteristics about your King, you know, King school, your school that is different than everybody else's. What's what makes sets you apart from your competition? People ask us why 58 years later, we're still eating regularly. And uh, we say there's two reasons. One, we're designed to seek out and take care of other people's needs. And you don't know if you're taking care of other people's needs unless you solicit and are responsive to feedback. So every every contact we have with a customer, we solicit their feedback and are responsive to their feedback. And and I think that's the key for us still being in business. And then the, the second thing is, is that we're responsive to changes in technology. There have been tremendous changes in technology and communications. This this is an example right now as a change in technology. And so we're responsive to changes in technology. And that's let us implement uh, the results of our customer feedback. So those are the two things. Seek out and take care of other people's needs. And to know you're doing that, you have to get solicit and be responsive to customer feedback. Well, what I think sets us apart from our competition and makes us, I don't like you to use the word unique. That's pretty overworked. But different is our company motto, which is that we clarify, we take relatively complicated material, we clarify it, simplify it, and most important, we make it fun so that the learning is easy, fast, but thorough and fun as it as it goes along. So, uh, the, you know, the more peop- fun people have when they're working on learning something, the more likely they are to remember it and to actually be able to use it in real life. Oh, I know that. I know that firsthand because I have an 11 year old. We have an 11 year old son who refuses to learn anything unless it's accompanied by some sort of fun. So that has been you can imagine challenging because we do run a law firm together. So. He gets yeah. that from me. I like to, I like to have fun while you learning as well. I want to, because, you know, I, I could really, I mean, just reading your bios and just having talked to you thus far, I could talk to you for the next several hours, but I do have to kind of 
you know, manage my time. But I want to get serious for a moment and take a little turn because you happen to be talking to one of the most fearful flyers in the world. And I have flown since I was seven years old. I'm from Taiwan originally. So I've flown long distances. I've flown a lot of different types of uh, equipment, except for helicopter. You will never get me to use it. You will never get me to use a parachute. You will never get me to go on a helicopter, forget a blimp. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or hot air balloon. So just just in working within the confines of a regular airplane, have you had a lot of people come through your your school or taking your courses that had as big of a fear of flying as I do? And were you able to and, and if you were able to uh, alleviate their fear what would you attribute to whatever it is that you said or did that made him no longer fearful and fly? When people, sometimes people do, for whatever reason, want to learn to fly, even though they're very afraid of flying. And the one big thing that, in our opinion, cures them of the fear is showing them how they can be in control. Because everybody, some more than others, dislikes not feeling like they're in control of their life, of their circumstances, of of what's happening to them. And if you can, if they can stick with it long enough to understand that they're actually learning to be in control of the vehicle they're riding in and to understand what affects it why it makes the motions and the noises that it does, but how this learning pilot can actually tell it what to do and have it do it and be in control of that. That's what normally uh, gets rid of the fear. And, and fear of flying is a reasonable thing. You have to yes. get lethal speed just to get airborne. And, and then you fly thousands of feet in the air. It's just you understand that there are risks associated with this, and there are. Right. And so we spend a lot of time focusing on helping people identify and mitigate risks. And uh, that's what it's all about. But that brings me, oh, sorry, that brings me to a really, then my next question. And Martha, I don't want you to forget what you were just about to say, but I wanted, I don't want to forget to ask this because, you know, I, I'm extremely impressionable and everything, every one of my fears Uh, which I have a lot, are all from watching the news. And it almost seems like there are more, you know, like you see even uh, with the military. I mean, how just in the last two to three weeks, uh, how many news stories have we heard of, of helicopter crashes of, you know, the military folks out there. And I'm like, why does it seem like every other day I'm, you know, what what is happening? I, you know, from understanding the mechanics, also flying helicopters. And I'm just talking about helicopters right now. What is going on? Why have there been so many recent accidents with, especially in the military, with helicopters? Well, you'll be interested to know Martha is a helicopter instructor. I know I read that. That's why I'm asking that question. I'm like, okay, you're going to tell me, you're going to lay it out for me. First of all, the military aspect of it is, is kind of a, a special category 
because of what they're training to do. They're training to do things like um, there was a a retrospective on CNN uh, yesterday about the raid uh, where they killed, uh, captured and killed Osama bin Laden. This is the kind of thing the military is training to do with their helicopters with a lot of night flying and uh, and uh, low terrain uh, operations, uh, low altitude flying. So that's kind of a special category. The there is always some risk when uh, when you're. Well, when you're flying, but especially when you're training to do new things or uh, difficult and challenging things. So the military is working on that, obviously, with their standards and and their checking on um, uh, safety measures. Do you have a risk management is always a trade off between accomplishing what you set out to do and mitigating risks. And And the military is in a very difficult situation. They're accomplishing very extraordinary things, and there are going to be risks associated with those things. And it's where you strike the balance. The military is going to strike the balance in a different place than than some civilian operation. And you as the pilot know that you're striking a balance. To circle back to what I started to say earlier, when somebody asks us about learning to fly, we never, ever say, John and I, Oh, it's perfectly safe because it's not perfectly safe. And any reasonable person like you understands it's not perfectly safe. What we say instead is there are risks that are manageable. And the whole purpose of flight training is to educate you and get you in the habit and practice of identifying and managing those risks. And some of the people that we know that have started flying and then stopped have told us that they stopped because they knew obviously that there were risks in flying and did not feel that their instructor or flight school was being helpful in identifying how to manage those and was just basically saying, oh, don't worry about it. which is not a good way to go. Uh, and I'm worrying about it. <laughs> right, exactly. And yeah. in any endeavor where you take a motorized vehicle, particularly if you take it airborne, is going to have risks that have to be identified and managed. If you scuba dive, you get a whole bunch of information and training about the risks right. of scuba diving, uh, right. possibility of the bends, how you avoid it, what you do about currents, lots of stuff to manage the risk. And that's what flight training does. The military does it at a much more challenging level. One of the frequent things that, that people say that actually offend us is 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 that the Secretary of Transportation or the Administrator of the FA will come out after an accident and say, safety is our number one priority. And the answer is, no, it's not, because it's always safer to stay put. A boat is safest in a harbor, but it's not what a boat is built for. So if right. you stay in the harbor, it'd be perfectly safe. But if you move the boat, it's not as safe as it would be if you were in the harbor. Same way with an airplane. Uh, if you fly an airplane, safety is not your number one priority. Obviously, you wanted to move the airplane, and that added risk to it. So it's disingenuous and, and incorrect to say that safety is our number one priority, or 
or to say that there can be no compromise with safety. Of course, there's compromise with safety. You you can't start an engine without compromising safety. And so, so let me ask you a question, John. So if you were their their spokesperson, their PR person, what should they change it to? Well, I think what you would say is it's our job to understand this and and seek out and take care of the risks and, and to mitigate them. And, uh, but, and but to you, learn or teach, depending on our position in the industry, the tools. And there are a lot of tools that have been developed and are still being developed uh, to mitigate the risk in aviation. But you don't ever want to tell people there are no risks and, and, and we're going to be perfectly safe because safety is our number one priority. Horse feathers. Um, Safety is not your number one priority. You started an engine. Right, right. 100%. Um, I want to, you know, we're, we're running up on, on the time, but I want to ask you guys, um, you've, you know, just in hearing you right now, it seems like you guys just have such a zest for life and adventure. And you guys have done so much together and you've built this successful business. What's next? Well, like, uh, is there something is there something else of all of the stuff that you guys have um, and that you've accomplished? And I can't imagine that you can accomplish anything more because you guys have, ac- have, have accomplished so much. What is what is the next chapter or what is the continuing chapter or what is there uh, that you have wanted to do that you haven't done yet, given that the two of you have pretty much done Anything and everything, including the most risky of all adventures and, you know, hobbies and, and death-defying, you know, things in life. I mean, what, what else? Well, the business has been very, very good to us in that, as you say, we have accomplished most of the things that we have dreamed about that have been on our bucket list and so on things like uh, trips to Antarctica, uh, flying around the world. A lot of our bucket list items were associated with aviation, but we have, we don't really have a big bucket item that still to go because the business has allowed us uh, to, to do those as we go along and we haven't had to put stuff off until we can retire or whatever. We've had enough free time and enough money from the business to go ahead and I don't know if you'd say indulge ourselves, but uh, satisfy uh, most of those bucket list items as we. Well, you do fly a Falcon 10, so. Yes. That's that's quite an extraordinary perk that you have as, you know, in in the successful business that you guys have, have built together. I think the key to our to our eating regularly and being successful really is that we have a partnership. And when we uh, started out teaching ground schools, we had Martha in one classroom teaching the instrument, instrument instructor, and me in an, another classroom teaching private, commercial, and flight instructor. And uh, the fact that we had each of us doing it meant that when we came along the video, we were each good at it, and it made us kind of – People see us as a couple, and that's very, very unusual. And that's that's given that's us a memorable. lot of a lot of attention. But that's that's us too. So I'm I yes. love that you just said that because you guys have really inspired me and Justin 
in so many ways, just in the 47 minutes that we've been talking. I w- there's not enough hours in the day. We actually have another podcast starting in 12 minutes. <laughs> so I'm like so bummed, but I would, if you would indulge me, I would love to have you guys on our podcast again, because this conversation is definitely not over. I would love to continue talking to you too. Um, I enjoy that. Thank you so much for what you've shared thus far. I'm not going to say goodbye because I really want to talk to you guys again. So until next time, but just, just as a selfish plug, please tell everybody where they can find you. Should they wish to take one of your courses um, or anything else that you guys have to offer, give us a website for the audience to have. Okay. Our website is King schools all one word with an s on the end of schools.com and we have a whole bunch of free courses on our homepage that people can take to see what our teaching is like and to learn uh, fun segments about aviation and just kind of uh, get the feel for it i love it i love it i love talking to you guys thank you so much for being on our podcast um I have to run to the restroom before our next podcast because my bladder is about to explode. So, so lovely to meet you until next time. And thank you you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Don't miss next week's episode for more relatable, real, and practical insights from Relationship, packed with even more candid conversations. So make sure to subscribe, tune in, and keep your wine glass full. And if you want to share your own experience or ask a question, follow us on social media and feel free to reach out. Go to CernitzLaw.com, call 888-68-DAMAGE, or email us at cshanbraun at CernitzLaw.com or jcernitz at CernitzLaw.com. <laughs>